For your Holy Spirit moving upon every one of us, giving us good soil of hearts and minds and lives, and helping us just to lock in and focus on what you're saying and to really have our minds in tune with you. I thank you, Lord, for speaking through me. Your word tonight is living seeds of truth sown in a good soil. Watered by the Holy Spirit, these seeds will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. The winds of your spirit carry this out among the nations. It's going to get what we're supposed to accomplish what it's supposed to. We thank you for it, and we submit it unto you. We resist it. Anything that would try to steal the seed or hinder is bound in Jesus' name and back off right now. I thank you, Lord, for your angels getting rid of any of that. But, Lord, tonight, everything being accomplished, and through this time in the word that you will be done, I thank you for hearing and answering the prayers over your word tonight. In Jesus' name, we believe it. We expect it. Amen. All right, so we've been going through a series that has dealt with some very controversial and, quite honestly, some very strange topics. And tonight, um, this might be the end of this series. If I do another sermon or two, maybe, Lord willing, but I think this might close it out. We'll see. But I want to talk about some ancient spirits, and I want to talk about mainly about the restraining of the Lord being removed. So look this way, give me your best ear tonight, really get something out of this, because what has been restraining things in these last days is going to be removed. And so we need to make sure that we're ready for that, because what I'm trying to get at is there's some things that we're going to face in these last days that previous generations before us just didn't face. And I mentioned that at the beginning of the service, obviously not in this sermon, but I mentioned it to those that were here as we opened the ser service up, that there's things that the generation now that's coming up, there's things that they're facing that other generations of young people just didn't face. It's not their fault, and because they're kids, to them in their mind, it's normal. They don't understand the severity of a lot of it, um, but it is very serious, and there's the type of activity going on today that can really put people in spiritual bondage. And people are dabbling in things. They're dabbling in sexual sins. They're dabbling in the occult, uh, substance abuse, etc. And it's not just a matter of a sin that separates them from God, but they're getting involved in things that are putting them into spiritual bondage that they need to be set free from it. You see, it, it's serious. And Satan is really targeting our young people. Has anybody noticed that? And my wife and I have tried to warn young people as much as we can. And the wise will listen. Not just young people, but a lot of, sometimes the young people aren't the problem. I hate to say this, but sometimes the parents are the problem. Because the young people will listen, and then the parents won't. And my wife and I have tried to mention even things uh, about the occult. And uh, anyway, but we're living in a time the Bible says that some will no longer listen to sound doctrine. They won't listen to it. They don't want to hear it. 
They'll gather unto themselves teachers that just tell them what they want to hear, what their itching ears want to hear. And we're living in a time when that's actually happening. And that might be why one of the reasons why revival has not happened. In my opinion, I believe that something should have happened about 15 years ago or so, around here in Dallas anyway, 2004, 5, 6 time frame, something should have happened in the way of a revival, but for whatever reason it didn't. And we're dealing with some of that right now. There's been a real resistance here. But I believe God's wanting to open up something and give us another chance because we need a major revival. I'm not just talking about a series of good meetings. We need for the Lord to part his spirit like we read about in history books. We need a major historic revival that will shift the culture and bring in a huge harvest of souls and change people. All right, so I want to share a couple things tonight, and I'm going to start. This is not in your notes, but I'm going to read James chapter 3, starting with verse 13. And then we'll get into a few scriptures about the restrainer being removed. But I'm just going to read this. Again, it's not in your notes, so just listen to this. But James chapter 3, starting with verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds and the gentleness and the gentleness of wisdom but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth see there are some people that they do have a bitterness they do have a jealousy selfish ambition is where people are just out for number one they're looking after their own interest when people are like that, he said, do not be arrogant. There's a real arrogance there. That's, that's a Leviathan spirit, which I feel like we need to deal with. There, there's something with that specific spirit that's trying to resist revival. And people of God, if there's any ministers that, that are listening or would hear this, do a study on that spirit and begin to preach against it because you need to lead people to break that off and drive that out. There's a, res there's a spiritual resistance against this revival. And then verse 15, this wisdom, talking about bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, arrogance, this wisdom is not th that which comes down from above, but it is, look at this. So it's not from above talking about God. It goes down, okay? It says, no, no, this wisdom is from this earth, from this world. Who's the God of this world? Satan temporarily till Jesus comes this wisdom is worldly it's of the earth and then it goes down another another notch down and he says it's soulish soulish is just out of the human carnal mind and emotions and then he says go drop down another notch and it's demonic so it's of this world it's just human soul and it's demonic. And then he goes on to say, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. And let me tell you, that's true. If you really meditate on that scripture and start thinking about people that you've known maybe in your family or maybe people in the church world that you've known that they deal with jealousy, and they deal with their selfish ambition. They want what they want when they want it. It's all about themselves and promoting themselves. And there's this jealousy. 
you've seen for yourself where it produces disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And then it goes on to say, in the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So as I go through this, I couldn't help but think about this. The problem, and I think, I'm thankful for Mario Murillo is dealing with some of this stuff that's not of God. And he's been doing this for a short while, but to deal with some of the false prophecy and some of the false teaching. But see, this is what's happening. The Bible says that there would be these things in the last days, especially there would be great deception. There would be false prophecy, false teaching. Listen, it's, there's things that have to do with it being just earthly, soulish, and demonic. Soulish means that it's birthed in the soul area. It's out of the human mind, out of the human heart, but it is not from the Holy Spirit. People are just imagining things. And so this is where it goes from being of the world, but it's soulish to demonic. And let me give you a few more things to think about. That's why much of the church world has turned to entertainment in a social club because it's something that's just soulish. Is I hope people get this because I don't think that, I'm not sure that they will really understand what I'm saying and I can't belabor it too much. See, if it's really birth of the Holy Spirit, it's under the anointing and it's a move of God, it's going to go deeper than your human intellect and your human emotions. And it's going to cut you to the heart and it's going to change you down to your core. But if it's not of God and it's just of man, it's earthly, it's just soulish, it's just of man, and even demonic, it's only going to operate in the realm of entertainment making your emotions feel good, um, stimulating the mind, but that's it. It will never go deeper than that. And I would add that the demonic realm traffics in that. Is this making sense? So much of what we know right now, because revival has waned and we're not seeing a real move of God like right now like we need to in the greater body of Christ, because of that, much of what's going on is just worldly, and soulish that's why you can have people come in and leave out week after week and they're never really changed because it's just soulish it's not spirit does this make sense tonight and this is the realm where much false prophecy and false teaching and all that twistedness comes in and see both the we talked about last week and the week before we're talking about Baal Jezebel and Leviathan this is the realm that both Jezebel and Leviathan traffic in because it's a python spirit and it just deals with the soul. It's just soulish. And that's the realm of like false prophecy. It's really a spirit of divination. See, James was trying to expose that. He's saying when you're dealing with it just being worldly and it's just soulish, you're also going to have spirits of divination like python whispering in the minds of people and and it's going to start bringing uh, a lot of deception and confusion and that's where you see all of this human jealousy that's the flesh 
selfish ambition, disorder, every evil thing. Now think about that, every evil thing. Because it's just worldly, it's soulish, and it's demonic. We've got to get deeper than that where we press into God for something that is truly of him. And listen to what I'm saying. If we really are bringing the true word of God, it is really what God is saying. And we bring the power of the Holy Spirit. That's enough. You really don't need all these other things. If you really have the word of God and you have the power of the Holy Spirit, people's lives are going to be transformed. How many would say in River of Life without just saying this because I'm asking a question from the pulpit, but you would honestly assess your life and say that when you started coming here and you were introduced to the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, that you've noticed that your life really changed after that. It's not anything to do with a preacher. It's not anything to do with a specific church. You know what it is? It's God's word and the power of his spirit. That's it. And that right there has transformed all of us. It's changed my life. But see, whenever people aren't operating in that, they have to start thinking outside of that. They have to say, well, what can we do? And they begin to handle things the way the world does. You run the church like a business. What can draw a crowd? You start bringing in certain people, maybe that, they can get up and they can scream and yell and get people, jump up, shout, lift, lift your hands, you know, and they know how to work a crowd. They stimulate people's emotions. They get people excited. And, and you see what I'm saying? And there can be the demonic in that, but it doesn't bring real deep, profound change. Does this make sense tonight? You can sit back when it's really the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit you don't have to work a crowd. You don't have to get everybody whipped up in a frenzy. You don't have to manipulate. You can sincerely just let God move and people will be changed. So I feel like that's, that's the most important thing right now for River of Life is that we go deeper than we've ever been because I genuinely believe there's about to be a move of God. It's on his timing. We sense it. I remember back studying historic revivals that for a little while, people like in Los Angeles, for example, were feeling that revival was at hand. And Frank Bartleman was even passing out uh, literature about it, and they, they were talking about it, and they were praying about it. But it took time, and, and it seemed like revival tarried for a while. And finally, revival came in the most the way I would say would be least expected at the house uh, on Bonnie Bray Street there with a handful of African-Americans praying and fasting in that time when there was Jim Crow laws and, and that group of people was looked down on. It came in the most unexpected way. And it seemed like it tarried for a while, but God still showed up. So what I'm getting at is, is that we know we sense it. You sense that something is up and God's wanting to pour out his spirit. And it, but at the same time, it seems to me and to you, I'm sure, that we've been praying about this for years now. Where's the move of God? But in the fullness of time, God will do it. Many times things have to get to an all-time low and a desperation before God really moves. All right, so I want to read a few scriptures 
In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, this is in your notes. I just want to show you a couple quick things. And some of this, I want you to maybe take these notes home and make this a point of personal study for yourself. But when you're dealing with God's timing, I want to show you this. Now, here is it, verse 2, or I'm sorry, verse 1, chapter 2. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, regarding the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that's obviously a reference of the rapture there, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or disturbed, either by a spirit or a message or a letter, as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has already come. No one is to deceive you in any way, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. That's a falling away. How many are seeing a falling away today in our generation? And it says, and the man of lawlessness is revealed. That's the next thing is the Antichrist, the son of perdition or the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object to worship. That's when... He bombs probably the Vatican, but bombs that mystery of Babylon. He, then he sets himself up in the temple and demands himself to be worshipped as God. And he takes his seat in the temple, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you? I was telling you these things. Now look at this. And you know what restrains him now? Did you know the only reason? Why the Antichrist has not manifested right now is because God is restraining him. Did you know there's some kind of a restraining force? Have you thought about that? And then it says, so that he will be revealed in his time. There is a time for this. And I'm praying that while that has not happened yet, that God is gracious to us to send a move of God to help us because I'm telling you, the, the rise of the Antichrist is at hand. It could happen any time. There's something that is restraining him. And then it says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And we're seeing that in our generation. 2 Timothy 3, perilous times. And then everything the Bible predicted is happening in our time right now about how society is becoming more and more evil. And then it says this, only he who now restrains will do so until he is removed. Then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will eliminate with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by his, the appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan. This is the false prophet right here who will rise up, and it says this, with all power, false signs, and wonders. The false prophet will be able to perform signs and wonders. People will look to him because of his signs and wonders. And then the false prophet will lead people to worship the Antichrist in his image. And all, with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not accept the love of the truth so to be saved. See, the more people resist the gospel and the message, there's going to come a point in time where the Lord is going to keep extending that, but eventually they will be given over to a deception if they keep resisting it. It says this in, in verse 11, for this reason God will send upon them a deluding influence, a delusion, so that they will believe what is false in order that they may be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. 
They keep hearing the gospel. They keep hearing people witness to him, talk to him, and they just don't want to hear it. Eventually, they're going to be given over. But you see there that there's something restraining things until the proper time. So we're living in a time where the rise of the Antichrist could happen at any moment, but God is restraining that. We have a window of time for revival and a harvest. In Revelation chapter 9, I'm going to show you another area where something will open eventually, but it's being restrained. It says here, Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth. Some type of a fallen angel is what it looks like. A key to the shaft of the abyss was given him. He opened the shaft. So imagine on the ground there's some kind of a spiritual portal that a lid is taken off. And then it says here as he opened the shaft, smoke ascended up out of it. It's a picture and type of uh, like opening up hell, if you will. The smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened from the smoke of the shaft. Then out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth. These are demonic forces. And power was given them as scorpions of the earth have power. And they were told not that this is interesting to me. Why would this be in the Bible? Stop and think about some of these strange things. These scorpion-like demonic forces were told to not hurt the grass. Is that not a strange scripture? But it's in there for a reason. Nor anything green, nor any tree, but only the people who do not have the seal of God on their forehead. So God had beforehand sealed people this is tribulation saints what's happened is is that those that missed the rapture that were not ready they're going to be those that are here and it's going to be extremely difficult for them but god if they're sincere in their faith god is going to put a mark on their head their forehead in revelation it says that that they're sealed i don't think it's something you can visibly see i think it's a spiritual mark but these demonic forces cannot sting them and I believe the reason why it says in there not to hurt the grass and trees, what happens whenever you have wars and bombs and all that? It's going to hurt the grass and trees. I think this reference is saying that it's not a physical army and it's not something that's a natural war, but it's some kind of a spiritual thing. And there was an individual that wrote this years before COVID, and I thought this was extremely interesting because I read this, and she had written about, um, I think her last name's Mendez, and she wrote this book about the book of Revelation, kind of expounding on some things God, she felt God showed her. But she says she saw Revelation chapter 9. Now, this is just her opinion. She could be wrong. But she saw Revelation 9, and she saw these locusts coming up out of the abyss, and the stingers that they had that were scorpions were actually syringes in their hands. And they were stinging people with these syringes. That's interesting. Because in that case, you're not dealing with wars. You're not dealing with the grass and the trees and all that being destroyed. And not only that, but those that have the seal of God on their forehead, that are truly the Lord's. If that's the case, if, if that's what this means, I don't know. But they're not going to just go along with everything. How many knows that there's a group of people like a remnant of God's people that were not just going along with whatever the government wanted? Are y'all hearing me? So maybe that's what it is. It might not be. It could be something else. 
but it says that they were not permitted to kill anyone but to torment them for five months and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a person and in those days people will seek death and will not find it that's interesting you would think that you could die if you wanted to they won't be able to die and they will they will long to die but death will flee from them so that's a strange scripture there but you uh, the point i want to make about this without rabbit trailing is just this it's not the time yet for that to happen so something still has a lid on that and is restraining it until the proper time. And actually, this is going to happen during the tribulation, which is a specific seven-year period. The tribulation seven years is not a metaphor. It is a literal seven years. And then Revelation chapter 9 verse 13 says, Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had a trumpet, release the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day, look at this, specific and month and year were released. There was a specific time that these four angels in the river Euphrates was where the ancient Garden of Eden used to be. It's right at the cradle of the earth. It is literally right where everything began. There are four specific fallen evil angels that are bound and restrained until the proper time. And again, this is going to happen during the tribulation. When it's the right hour, so there's a specific time, not only a specific year, but a specific day a specific hour that restraining will be removed and they will be able to be released. And look at this. They were released so that they could kill a third of mankind. Did y'all hear that? A third. I know many will be raptured and many will probably die before this point. But think about a third. That's a lot of people if you consider the entire earth's population. So there are things that are restrained. And I believe that to a degree that things that in America have seemingly been restrained, if you will, from our Judeo-Christian heritage, the church that used to be really powerful in prayer, there used to be something that was restraining darkness that I'm concerned that that has been waning and so it's like the enemy's been able to do things in America that maybe he wasn't able to get away with before because the church was really praying and they, we were walking in authority, we were unified, and it restrained the enemy. I just say this prophetically. I, I wouldn't say this unless I really felt this is true. My wife will recognize what I'm about to say. She's heard it before about something else. There's about to be a window open that will have to be seized. And when it opens, it's going to be a move of the Holy Spirit. And if we will grab it and run with it, it will keep growing, even though the enemy tries to stop it. But there's, it's going to be like a specific window of time that has to be seized. 
Now, let me give you a few other things. This is not a really long sermon tonight, but I just want you to see, I feel a burden about this because I believe some things have been unleashed on this generation. And I'll say this is also a bit prophetically. I believe this is for River of Life. I'm not saying for the greater body of Christ, but when this window opens and the Holy Spirit begins to really move, I believe God's going to do things in us as a church that you've been really praying about and you've been crying out to God about. And it's not just going to be one thing. It could be a, maybe a healing. It could be you've been concerned about lost loved ones. I believe a lot of things will begin to happen quick and powerful because of the move of God. Like for example, maybe you would bring family members you've been concerned about, and they're going to get hit by the power of God. I mean, really affected. Different things you've been believing God for will begin to unfold. There's a window of time that God's going to open something for us. And who knows, this region needs a revival. Who knows how far it will go, how deep it will get, how many people will be impacted. I don't know. But I want to see a major move of God, and I have felt that way since the 90s, and I have never stopped feeling that way. I believe God put that in my heart, and I never got away from that. To this day, in like 96 or something, when I was in the floor at Brownsville, baptized in fire, there was something put in me that is long for that, to see that again here in this time. And I believe God's going to do it. All right, so let me give you a few things. This is just interesting. I'm going to read over it, and then I'm going to leave it for your own personal study. But the beast with seven heads and ten horns is Leviathan. It's like a huge dragon swimming through the waters of humanity. It's going to have everything to do with the rise of the Antichrist, the ten horns or the ten land masses that will align with him. The seven heads are representing the seven major enemies of Israel. And he's going to lead the great last attack to destroy Israel that will not prevail because God will deliver Israel. But there's kind of layers of revelation in the seven heads. I wrote about it in, in my wife and I's book, Seven Powerful Spirits, I believe, will be at work in the end times. But I want to show you something here. Here are seven spiritual influences I think that we're going to face and we are facing. Number one is we have got to break completely out of our Egypt. Did you know, this, this really grieves me, but did you know many people get saved and they start going to church, but because church in most places, I'm not saying this critically, but you know how it is. It's a very good possibility they will never really break completely free from their past and be totally delivered from everything that has held them back. And they're just going to come in and they're going to live a life that is struggling spiritually because they're not really going to get set free. Isn't that sad? But you know it's true. In most places out there, they don't deal with that. And so I've known people through the years, even in Pentecostal churches, because God bless them, to the two denominations I'm talking about don't believe that Christians can need to be delivered. So they absolutely don't preach on it or, or operate in it. 
And I've known people and you've known people and my parents can think of people in their mind just like I can that there's no doubt in my mind that they needed to be set free from some things. They kept struggling. They kept kind of backsliding. Then they come back to church and they struggled and struggled and struggled and probably still struggling today because nobody has ever helped them to get free. Those churches don't believe in it. They don't preach it. They don't pray about it in the altars. And the people sit out there in their Egypt bondage, kind of like when Lazarus, Jesus said, come out, Lazarus, and he raised from the dead. He still was in grave clothes. He was alive. These people have been born again. They're on their way to heaven. They're alive, but they're in grave clothes. We've got to get totally, completely free. Number two, Assyria. These are the enemies of Israel historically. Assyria. The nation of Assyria was known even in the secular realm. They will teach that Assyria was one of the most brutal nations that ever existed. They were known for their brutality. Why do you think the prophet Jonah hated them and absolutely did not want to go to Nineveh? Because he didn't think that they deserved God's mercy. Because of all the brutality that they did against his people Israel. That has to do with Leviathan. We're going to be dealing with something, a force, that's wanting to continually bring division and destruction. How many have known a church that's gone through division and destruction? You're going to be hard-pressed to find one. Number three, Babylon. Babylon, God allowed to come in and take Israel captive. People need to be careful because we're going to be living in a time when they could fall away from the faith and or they could backslide and go back to their old stuff. You know, God will bring people out many times and he'll deal with their sin in the altar and they really repent of it. And they throw it in the trash. They turn from it. They change their lifestyle. They used to go certain places and do certain things and hang with certain people and, and participate in this, that, and the other. And they really repented of it. But yet something, some force has been pulling on them. And unfortunately, some of them have gone back to the old stuff that they came out of. Be careful because Babylon represents going back into captivity that you have been delivered from. Number four, Medo-Persia. How many remember the story of the book of Esther? These are a conspiring against God's people. Have you noticed that it seems to me that there has been a very calculated, deliberate move of the devil through evil people, mind you, to do away with our Judeo-Christian heritage in America and to deliberately target Christians and target churches with laws. It may not be as bad in America as some other places, but it's still here. See, in the book of Esther, there was a calculated conspiracy to pass laws that would produce the extermination of God's people in Persia. There are people, I'm telling you, that are, you know, I used to look into this, I'm talking about decades ago, decades ago, where I was studying and I knew 
that there was a lot of these things going on. You just knew it in your spirit. You could see it. But yet back then, if anybody got up in the pulpit and talked about some of these things in the government, people would have just blown them off and thought, well, you're just a conspiracy person. Now it's no longer funny anymore. And even the secular people, I'm talking about non-Christians that are maybe conservative or whatever, even they talk about the deep state because everybody knows that there is a group of people that are corrupt and that are going against God and going against his people and many other things. Apparently want to see the destruction of America. But there is a deep state. There is a group of people. And that's what Medo-Persia represents. Antichrist laws. Okay, the next one is Greece. Then you see Alexander the Great, the great Grecian empire that conquered the world. You know what that represents? Uncleanness and compromise. The Grecian culture was one that was spiritually unclean. And here's what happened in the days of the Maccabees that unfortunately much of Christianity doesn't know, but this is a very real story that we need to know was from the time of Malachi to Matthew there was this whole story of God moving among his people and God using the Maccabees but you remember Antiochus Epiphanes he was the one that tried to remove out of the nation of Israel any trace of God and he was what was he doing he was trying to replace it with paganism and he was so angry because he was being resisted they seized the temple he sacrificed a pig on the altar and set up an a idol of Zeus there and, and, you know, offered a sacrifice to him in the temple to defile the temple. God had to bring a supernatural deliverance. But it has to do, Greece has to do with compromise and uncleanness. Because unfortunately, in those days of the Maccabees, even though there was a group that stayed loyal to God, listen to what I'm saying, there was also a group of sellouts that they didn't want to suffer, and so they, they began to turn their back on God and worship the Greek gods, and they fell away, and they compromised. You know, back in my day, when I was younger, there was the whole Columbine High School shooting, which at that time, and I think even you boys have seen a movie about it maybe, but there was, this was the very first school shooting. And I remember that when that happened, the nation was in such shock. Y'all remember that? Because it was the first one. I mean, now every one of them are a great tragedy, and we all weep about it. But I'm just saying that first one, nope, everybody just couldn't believe that it would happen. And these guys that did it were really into these violent video games and, and reenacting things, and they got into spiritual darkness. And no doubt in my mind, based on what they did, that they were very demonized, okay? I don't think anybody would argue that. And what they did when they went into the school was they were going up to people, do you believe in God? Do you believe in Jesus? And if they said yes, they'd shoot them. But see, there were people that no doubt probably denied the Lord to live. And there's a story about a precious lady, a young lady that, that would not compromise and she died. So my point is, is like that's the Grecian empire. There's going to be a lot of pressure on people to turn their back on God. And we're going to have to make up our mind, come hell or high water, come warfare, come evil people, threats, whatever it is, that we're going to stand for God. We're going to stand for what he's for and against what he's against. And people may get mad at us. And, you know, there's people right now that I know that hate me 
And uh, pretty much all of it has to do with the fact that I'm a Christian and I won't compromise. It's the truth. And then you've got Rome. The next empire to come to power was Rome. Rome was known for being an oppressor and a dominator, like total control, wanting to dominate everybody. You've got to be careful with that as well because I believe that something's going to try to dominate and totally suppress and control. I'm thankful for the churches during COVID that did not shut down and did not become wimps. We didn't shut down here. We kept going. We kind of felt like we had to be incognito for a time. Y'all remember that? But we didn't shut down. And there's others that refused to, and some of them had to pay. They almost had to pay a lot of fines because they were being really persecuted. But through the courts, that all ended up getting worked out in their favor, thank God. But they stood. And I remember, I think it was maybe Billy Graham, if I'm not mistaken, before he went home to be with the Lord. But he said he was thankful for the church. It, it may not have been him. I can't remember if it was him. But a great leader said they were really thankful for the churches that did not shut down and compromise. Let me tell you, you cannot give in to the domination, the complete control and oppressive domination of the culture. How many knows in China there was the underground church? You know, the Chinese government wants to stomp out any trace of it, kill people. They want to totally control. What did the Chinese church do? They had to meet in homes and in secret. All right, and finally, the last empire is the end-time Roman Babylonian Empire under the Antichrist. You know what is the great warning of the end times? To become lukewarm, apostate. Basically, Laodicea. So, these are things I believe that we're already facing, and I'm just going to read over this. But I want you to think about these principalities that make up the seven heads. And let me just show you a couple things in our culture. It's been building down through the generations. Mystery Babylon has to do with the occult. You see things like sorcery with the drug uses and the bondage to drugs and alcohol, etc. You see divination and necromancy, witchcraft, and things that even affect people. I can't get into this tonight, but it affects people even physically. But the new age, the God of self, all of this goes back to mystery Babylon. Number two, the Medo-Persians, as we talked about, the oppression of the righteous. How many are seeing laws being passed to persecute the righteous? Greece, you know what, humanism, that's going to be the forerunner of the rise of the Antichrist is humanism, where man is our own God. What did Greece have in it? The, the worship, if you will, the focus, the, uh, uh, you know, the veneration of knowledge and philosophy and science. Also, humanism and occult practices. And the human sinful pleasure in Greece was so emphasized. Rome. Here's an interesting one. Rome, the political, the religious, the economic power of Rome. But what was Rome known for? Sports, sex, and entertainment. What is America known for? They also were big on prosperity and welfare. And pleasure. 
Can, are you guys seeing this? Can we see mystery Babylon in, in our culture? Can we see laws being passed to persecute the righteous? Can we see the Grecian influence of exalting science and medical science and philosophy and knowledge and humanism? Can we see Rome with sports, sex, and entertainment and prosperity being the focus? All right, and finally, this is weird. I'm going to close with this one. And see, like many people hearing this, there was a time that I would have thought, this sounds really crazy, and I probably wouldn't have believed it, except that not only is it true, it can easily be proven to be 100% fact. But the Antichrist Babylon revised Rome. <laughs> All right, I'm going to share some things. I think some people listening to this party know some of this, but Mystery Babylon is the occult. It's the spiritual side of, of the Antichrist rule, Okay. The revised Rome is the political, the secular side. Did you know that right now, I'm closing with this. I'm just going to talk about this weird stuff right now and close with it. But did you know right now the Vatican has spent millions and millions and millions of dollars to go down to Arizona area and to get on Mount Graham which by the way, this is a fact. Look, look all, I encourage you, please look this up. So you will know that Pastor Scott is telling you the truth. They're there. Mount Graham is known as being a, an occult hotspot that all the various Native American tribes look at it like a holy mountain, if you will, not holy unto God, but holy unto their gods, like a portal, like something that you see. People in the occult world go to certain places because they're energized with occult power like that. So the Native Americans rose up and tried to keep the Vatican off Mount Graham. The Vatican was willing to go to the courts and pay a lot more money to fight it in the courts to bully their way on that mountain and force it. Why do they want to be there? And here's what they did. This is going to blow your mind. They build this huge telescope there, and they're looking into deep space, and they're open about this. People are going to think this is so crazy. They're open about what they're doing. They're looking for extraterrestrial life. And they're studying it out. And they're, they're trying in the Vatican right now, as insane as this sounds, they're trying to come up with some type of Catholic doctrine for alien visitation, if you will. And they even have on this huge telescope. I mean, it sounds crazy, doesn't it? We're, we're th when I first heard this, I thought, really? No, it's actually happening. And they have this huge telescope. I mean, this thing is massive. When I say massive, you go into a building, okay? And there's stairs up to things. There's stairs down. I mean, it's a huge, massive structure with one of the most powerful telescopes that we have. And they're going deep into outer space, and they're looking for things. And guess what their lens is called? Now, it's an acronym for something I don't have written down in front of me, but it's an acronym, but they call the lens that they're looking through the Lucifer lens. Why would you call it that? I mean, of all things, why would you call it Lucifer? That's just weird. I'm sorry. I mean, it's supposed to, Catholic is supposed to be Christian. But anyway, they call it the Lucifer lens, and, and they're open about it, and Listen to what's being said. I know that this sounds crazy, but they initially said this. They're joking around, kind of tongue-in-cheek, like, well, you know, if an alien came, would we baptize them into the Catholic Church? And they're saying, well, they're part of God's creation, so of course we would. It, doesn't it sound ridiculous? 
They've said it publicly. Look it up. Google it for yourself. They're putting these little softballs out there to kind of put that out there, if you will. It's like they're trying to get on the forefront of something. And they're trying to come up with doctrine about this. It's so insane. And then they got a little more weird about it. This concerned me. They said this. They said, well, now, wait a second. If extraterrestrial life came here, we can't assume that they're fallen like we are. So maybe they know God and they have a better understanding of God. And maybe they need to baptize us. Hello? No, they said that. Look it up for yourself. That's the most insane thing I have heard in my lifetime that people would actually be trying to come up with doctrine about something like that. Why are they doing that? There is some type of a deception, a delusion that's coming. I'm not saying that I fully understand it. I don't know what the world is going to start believing, but I will say this. The baby boomer generation is thinking, this is insane. My generation, the Xers, are looking at it going, yeah, it's pretty weird. But there's a generation that's coming up that is beginning to believe more and more in those things. I'm just telling you. There's a man by the name of Zechariah Ascension that he was a Jewish man. And by all accounts, people that knew him, I think he was a wonderful, sweet person. And he was, he was in many ways, a great person to, to talk to. I'm sure he was very kind. But at the same time, he was probably one of the most deceived people you could ever imagine. And unfortunately, he wrote books going back to like the 70s that actually pioneered a lot of this deception I'm talking about. Let me tell you what he believed. After Noah's sons began to populate, <clears throat> the Middle East was the cradle of the world. And it was called ancient Sumer. And they got away from believing in the God of their father Noah. And they began to worship other gods, idols. Nimrod rose to power there. He built a specific city in Sumer called Shinar. And that was where he ruled from, but he ruled Sumer. Listen to what I'm saying. The gods of this ancient Sumerians were called Anunnaki. And they were, they were believed to be these gods that they worship. You know who their leader was? His name? Lucifer. Go look it up. They worship these supposed gods. Zechariah Ascension came up with the idea for some reason that they actually were aliens that visited. He believed this, I'm telling you. He believed with all of his heart, wrote books about it, people read it, that ancient aliens came down. How many have heard that term? The ancient alien theory? Okay, that they came down and they were, listen, to, this is what he believed, that there was a planet that only comes into our orbit every so many thousands of years called, I think it's called Nibiru. But anyway, and he believed that that's where they're from. And they came down here and they were mining for precious like gold, etc. And they seed planted the earth for humanity. So basically they were our creators. Isn't this crazy? So instead of there being a God that created us, the story of Adam Eve, which is true, there comes this other weird story that, well, actually, there was these ancient aliens that came here, and he believed that they were the same thing as the Anunnaki. And that they came down, and they seed-planted the earth, and out of that, and that kind of explains in his mind evolution, because out of that, humanity evolved into what we are today. Did you know that it is ever increasing in our culture 
that people believe this. It's called panspermia. And it's, I call it the alien gospel. But people believe that. They believe that we were put here by aliens. And this is what they believe. They believe that if we ever get to a place where we're going to destroy each other, like in war, that the alien, aliens will come back to save us. Or if we, if, this is creepy to me, if we ever get to a place in our evolution that we can't go any further, that they'll come here and help us go to the next thing. Did y'all hear that? Think about that for a minute. And then you combine that belief system that is really taking root in our nation. And you think about why is Roman Catholicism looking for something like that? And making bizarre statements publicly like that. It's happening. What is about to happen that's going to deceive people? I'm not sure. I'm not even saying for sure that it's 100% like this alien thing. I don't know. But I will say this. I do believe the rapture will be explained away by that. I do believe that. Some Bible scholars that are very intelligent believe that people will view the Antichrist and, and maybe in the false prophet as being something beyond us, like of another world or something. It may happen. I don't know. But there's also been this weird transhuman science that's trying to manipulate our DNA and introduce like animal DNA and robotics and AI and computer chips in the brain and all this weird stuff to make to kind of take you to the next level of your evolution what what's in front of us what is the rise of the antichrist really going to look like could it be that it's seen as something superior to what we know as humanity right now and through a mark of the beast or through a series of injections or through other procedures people could begin to go to a next level of evolution of something beyond what you are. Every once in a while when you preach strong like this, you feel resistance. I've kind of felt that tonight a little bit. But the manipulation of human DNA, when Jesus came and died, he died for sons of Adam. If somebody ever becomes something other than that, that you're no longer considered from God's perspective an actual human being, you're something else like a hybrid, that's a concerning thing because Jesus didn't die for something else. That's why there was never any mercy for these Nephilim in the Bible. There was never mercy for them. There was never any type of grace. You never read about one of them accepting God. Not one time. You know why? Because they weren't human. They were something else. And God allowed them to be exterminated. What is this going to look like? What will the mark of the beast look like? Will it alter human DNA? As I've already been talking about in this series a few weeks back, this last series of injections that, that people were taking is RNA. It's supposed to mess with the DNA chromosomes and stuff, and people don't believe that. I can say that, and nine-tenths of people out there go, well, that's just a conspiracy thing. I encourage you just simply look into it for yourself with an open mind because you'll find that it's, it was not an average everyday injection. It was something else. It was. So with that said, 
what's being introduced on a global scale. This is not just an American thing. This was a global pandemic, and these injections were being introduced to the, the entire world. What is beginning here? And, of course, then you have the New Age belief that we're all gods. See, I'm showing you something that I'm just, in this series, I've very humbly just given you information that I know is factual and then told you, do your own homework, do your own research, draw your own conclusions. I'm just here to tell you what's going on. But Roman Catholicism, I believe, will play a key role in the rise of the false prophet and some type of a unification of religions and it concerns me that they're studying for extraterrestrial life, which if they believe in that eventually one day and begin to introduce that, could that not help unify all religions? Possibly, I don't know. And it is the false prophet, mind you, that I believe will come out of Roman Catholicism, probably a pope, that will oversee the mark of the beast being implemented. You won't be able to buy or sell without it. Will the alien gospel become something that's believed all over the world? Will something in the way of transhuman, where it messes with human DNA, begin to go all over the world? Will people increasingly believe that they are just simply a, their own God, that there's no such thing as another God, that, that we were seed planted here by aliens, and basically I can become... You know, this is what the New Age movement believes. They believe that each one of us are our own gods, and basically as you learn to become godlike through meditation and yoga and things like that, and you begin to get this power, you basically can become what these great ascended masters like Jesus or Buddha or others became. Because in their mind, they just simply reached another level in the evolution, if you will, of humanity. They graduated to something called an ascended master. And these weirdos, I love them, but they will channel, they supposedly will go into trances and channel these ascended masters that supposedly speak through them. And you know what these ascended masters are telling them? Things like that, that the, these extraterrestrial life are real and that they're coming. And that people, and this one crazy lady I saw supposedly channeled Jesus. Who, by the way, was apologizing through her for deceiving us into believing that he was something more than he was. Do you see what I'm saying? Deception to the max. We all know, those of us that have any sense about us know that that had nothing to do with Jesus Christ. That was a demon. There's a global deception that's coming. It's not going to be America alone. It's not going to be in any one part of the world. It's something that if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. The only reason it's not possible is because the Holy Spirit in you will keep you. There's a global deception. I'm not sure what it is. I don't believe that it's Islam. Some believe that Islam will be, the Antichrist will be a Muslim. It'll be an Islamic thing taking over the world. I think it's bigger than that. I could be wrong. Maybe that's what it, I'm trying to present this humbly and just say, here's some stuff that's going on. But think about it. We're moving towards something 
where there's going to be a major global deception. And there's already a falling away, but you better believe when this global deception comes, there is even going to be a greater falling away as all the wheat, the tear among the wheats, the goats among the sheep, you know what I'm saying? All them are just going to depart. And the only ones that are going to remain faithful are going to be God's pure, true elect. And I believe this revival that's coming will get us ready to meet him in the air as a bride. And then the Antichrist is fully going to consolidate his power. And end time events will unfold exactly like the Bible said they would. So, Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. As we talk about these things, we know that there's great pressures going on in these last days. And, Lord, I'm concerned. I'm concerned for the younger generation coming up. I'm concerned for Gen Z. I'm concerning, concerned about things that they're dealing with. There's more introduction to witchcraft, the occult, than any other generation right now. There's more of it that Satan is trying to expose them to. There's more sexual perversions targeting young people, children, than any other time than in my lifetime. There's more strange things going on in the world. But, Lord, we're asking you to pour out your spirit with a greater intensity than any other time. And those that follow our ministry that are listening to this, maybe on podcasts, just stop for a moment, agree with us. Lord, a greater move of God than we read about in Hebrides and Wales and these great intense moves of the Spirit through Wesley and Cane Ridge and... Lord, a greater move for souls and intensity and anointing in this generation to see a harvest, Lord. And anointing again to see the sick healed. I mean major miracles. Lord, and anointing to see people delivered from anything Satan's had in their life. Lord, and anointing to see a bride purified, filled with the Spirit, wise virgins with actual ready to meet the Lord in the air. Lord, a major move of the Spirit that will prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Lord, we pray for it. Let it come. Only you can do it. It's not something man could do in our best efforts because entertainment won't cut it. Things that are just soulish won't cut it. I wonder sometimes how many people are false converts that were never really born of God. They just got caught up in an event, the excitement of the event. Lord, let there be a move of your spirit like Peter saw on the day of Pentecost where people were cut to the heart and they truly gave their life to Christ and born again. I mean, it was a major harvest where 3,000 were saved in one day at that moment because of the powerful move of the Holy Spirit. Lord, let it come. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.